Okay, are we on? We are on, I think. Oh. Okay, so Maget. Okay, so today is the yard site of one of the most mysterious figures of the last thousand years, Rabbi Yehuda HaChosid. Rabbi Yehuda HaChosid. He passes away in the year 1217, just over 800 years ago, lives in Germany, and he, if I'm not mistaken, the year he passed away and was a one other, he passed away Tainus Esther. But we know when it comes to yard sites, if someone passes away in a Stam Adar, most opinion holds that in the Ibrayor you go after Adar Aleph. Adar Aleph for yard sites, Adar Bez for birthdays. So it's his yard site, just over 800 years. And there are a number of works that are attributed to him, chiefly the Sefer Chassidim over here. Although some believe that it may have been put together by his student, and we'll talk about that, but it's attributed to him, and so too is the famous Tzavah, the famous will that he left, with many, many strange uh, codes of behavior, and we'll talk about that too. There are other Svarim that are linked to him. There's a commentary on Chumash, there's a Sefer called Sefer Gematrias. He is, his grandfather's name was Abkleinimus. There was even a some of the Tosfos and some of the commentaries of Tosfos were attributed to him, but uh, apparently now they realize it actually was from a different tradition by the name of Rabbi Yehuda, somebody else. Okay, so that's... How uh, long ago, like... like uh, he, he was born... Okay, so here's the story. In order to appreciate what we're going to discuss, we're going to discuss the ba- family background. Rabbi Yehuda HaChosid was part of a group known as the Hasidei Ashkenaz, the pious people of Ashkenaz. The group really is three generations. Rabbi Yehuda Achosid's father, whose name was Shmuel, Shmuel Achosid, his son Rabbi Yehuda Achosid, and Rabbi Yehuda Achosid's chief student, Rabbi Lozer Reikeach, Rabbi Lozer of Worms, the Reikeach, the famous Reikeach, right. Now, Yehuda Achosid had many students, he had a big yeshiva, we're going to see, but his primary student in Kabbalah was Rabbi Lazar Reikeach of Worms. So there was a group called Hasidei Ashkenaz, the pious people of Ashkenaz, and they're mentioned in form the tour. The tour quotes them as a group of the Hasidei Ashkenaz, and he says they have a tradition of the precise numbers of letters and words in the tefillahs, now accurate the tefillahs are and what they represent, and the whys and the whats. The tour says the Hasidei Ashkenaz have a tradition. Because uh, Rabbi Yehuda Achas's father, Rabbi Shmuel, his father was known as Rabbi Kleinimus Hazokain from Magenza, from Mainz. And he's a very chosh of a family. The Chidor writes that they have a tradition about the Tfilis going back to the Tanoim. It was passed down, I guess, father to son, teacher to student. And there were things that only this family knew. We have a few generations back to someone called Rabbi Abun Hagodol. And he was a master of the Pnimius and Yonim. Uh, we don't know much about him. So it really, I guess, begins with Rabbi Yehuda HaChosid's father, Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel HaChosid was born in the year 1115. Uh, 11, Who's alive at 1115? 
Rashi just passed away 10 years before. The Rifa just passed away. The Rambam's not yet born. Rabbeinu Tam is alive. Rabbeinu Tam was 15 years old. He was a young bocher at the time when Rabbi Shmuel was born. Rabbi Shmuel was born in Germany. Rabbeinu Tam is in France. Generally at the time, the Chachomim, you know, Rabbeinu Gershom, the legend, was in Germany. His students were in Germany. But the center kind of moved to France with Rashi. Rashi's famous yeshiva in Troy, in Troyes, was uh, really became a center that Torah, in a certain way, shifted from Germany to France, especially after 1096, the First Crusade, when many communities in Germany were uh, massacred, particularly what's known as Shoim. Shoim, the Shinish Spire, Spire, where all the Shapiros come from. The Vov is Vermeis, the Worms, and the Mem is Magensa Mines. The, those uh, cities were massacred. So later on, France becomes, that's where most of the Balei Toysus are in France. Rabbeinu Tam, his nephew, the Ri, their students, they're in France. One? It's unclear. We know that Yidin were in Spain already. Titus, Titus, after he conquered the second base of Mikdash, he had friends in Spain, and they said, Titus, send us some of the, the best that you got from those Jewish people. Send them to help uh, the economy con uh, colonize Spain. Germany seems to be much later. I don't know when the first Jew came. There were Yidin 11, 1200 years ago. M more than that, we don't know. More than that, we don't know. Rabbeinu Gershom went there, and he, uh, he turned minds. He became... Rabbeinu Gershom came there in around the year 1000. But he came there because there were already some Yidin there. Was already, but Rabbeinu Gershom really turned it into a center of Torah. Till then, Bovel. Bovel was the place. Even after the Gemara for hundreds of years, all the Ga'inim were in Bovel. Uh, Rav Haigon was still in Bovel when Rabbeinu Gershom opens up shop in Mainz. So Germany had its heyday. Rabbeinu Gershom, his, his students, Rashi, when Rashi was born in France. But uh, he went to Germany to learn as a boy because that's where all the yeshivas were. Rashi was such a legend that he that you know when he went to France, France became a center. I'll tell you the truth: that when Rashi passed away, Rashi had a student known as the Riva, Rabbi Yitzchok ben Osher, who opened up the first Toysvus yeshiva in Germany. Don't remember which city, but he opened the first yeshiva in Germany, and this was uh, this was after the first Crusade, so Germany kind of picked up a bit, but after the Riva passed away. It's brought that almost all of his students went to France to go to Rabbeinu Tam. So in Germany kind of fluctuated a bit. But it's going to pick up now. In 1115, Rab Shmuel is born. Uh, it seems like he's born in, in Spire. His father was known as Kleinimus of Magens of Mainz. I guess that's where he came from. Rab Shmuel seems to be born in Spire. And... He was a young boy when his father, the Rabkleinimus, passed away. This Rabkleinimus was holding with him a thousand years of traditions about all the secrets of the Tfilis. But his son Shmuel was, was young. Rabkleinimus felt that he was passing. Shmuel was not even bar mitzvah. So he found a guy called Rabbelozer Chazan. That was his name. Who was Shaykh to hear all these secrets and... Reb Kleinimus passed it all to Reb Lozri, said, when my son Shmuel gets of age, you teach him. So ultimately Shmuel got the whole Kabbalah. 
Now there was no Zoyer, they learned to Pnimisinyonim, they had say for Yitzira, say for Habor, other things, they didn't have Zoyer. But uh, Disrib Shmuel was known to be a Baal Shem, not just he learned Kabbalah, but practical Kabbalah. He made a Golem. It's brought in Sfarim, he made a Golem. And the Golem used to travel with him. This Rib Shmuel, it's also brought that once he saw a lion and a lioness <coughs> head to head. Now, who wins? The lioness or the lion? It's actually the female who's stronger. And the lion was calling out to the Shmuel for help. So Rib Shmuel, however, he was able to save the lion. And from then on, the lion used to accompany him as well when he traveled. And he used to travel a lot. He would go in self-imposed exile. He would go in self-imposed exile. At some point, I don't know... Azoi State, that's uh, at some point. So he traveled far. He spent almost 10 years of his life in a self-imposed exile. It's a long time. And he came to France, of course, and he went to the city of Romero, where Rabbeinu Tam was. Now, Rabbeinu Tam was only there until the Second Crusade, and he was almost killed, and then he moved, then he moved out. Rabbeinu Tam was 15 years older than Shmuel. If the years work out, the Second Crusade is 1146-47. Rabbeinu Shmuel could only have been 30, uh, 30 years older. So, but okay, but this is the this is the story that's passed down. That Rabbeinu Shmuel was going on self-imposed exile. Comes to France. He's today. He's going around, and of course, he wants to meet. Her. Who hasn't heard of Rabbeinu Tam? He comes to Ramero, Rabbeinu Tam's city. Rabbeinu Tam was a wealthy man. He used to have many guests by his meal, students. By the meal, there's a stranger there. Rabbeinu Tam asks, what's your name? And he says a name of someone who was well known to be an Oisvaf, someone who was a, somewhat of a, a lowlife. He says that my name is whatever, Shmuel. He had, I, it's, it, I don't remember, but they, it, it says that the... No, Pratsvina, it had a, it was a last name or something, but Shabina Tom said, ah, okay, okay, that's you, nice to meet you, enjoy your meal. He didn't really strike up a conversation with him. After the guest left, one of Rabina Tom's students said, you know who that was? That's the famous Shmuel, the Chassid. I guess he was famous even when he was young. That was him. Rabina Tom says, why did he say nothing? They say, well, he's a humble man. He's a humble man, doesn't speak much. Rabbeinu Tam ran out, he got into his wagon with his students, ran after him. He caught him, and Rabbeinu Tam says, with the power of Torah invested in me, I place you under a cherim if you're going to say an untruth. What is your name? He gets his name from him, Rabbeinu Tam says, you're coming back with me. And he came to him, and he spent a few weeks together. And there was a crazy episode that happened during those three weeks that the two of them summoned Malachim into the room. They summoned Elio Anavi, the Malach Matat, and they brought Moshe Rabbeinu into their room for a halachic discussion. The whole story is recorded in Seder Adairis 300 years ago. The strangest thing that it was a big debate Rabbeinu Tam had with Moshe Rabbeinu by the tefillin, the Shalroish, every day, do you have to actually tie, do you have to unloose the Kesher and tie the Kesher? And Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, you have to, Rabbeinu Tam says, you don't have to. And Moshe was saying, you know, Moshe said, Moshe said, you read like this. The Tfilin Shalyad is not really a sign. Only the Shalroish, everyone can see it. The Shalyad is supposed to be covered. It's not really a sign. He said, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Pshat in the post looks like this. You have to tie the ois, which is the head Tfilin. So Rabbeinu Tam says, but the post says, Moshe says, no, you have to know how to read the post 
you tie the ice tefillin. When do you wear that tefillin? If al yodecha, if you have the stuff on the hand, then then you have the shorosh. But dokshartim was really going on the ice, which is the head. And Rabbi Natam was arguing that's not pshat in the pasuk. Rabbi Natam said, Moshe, you know, you were, the Abisha gave you the Torah, fine, but once it was given, you know, my opinion is just oh, as good. Uh, yeah, it was. It's a fascinating. It's a long piece in the Seder Adoris. The whole back and forth. It's in Seder Adoris where he speaks about. Uh, probably by Rabbeinu Tam in the entry of Rabbeinu Tam, if I'm not mistaken. He has the whole story there, and uh, the one that was bringing all these malachim was uh, the Shmuel, the Shmuel Hachasit. One other story about him, and then we'll move. <laughs> He was famous for using Kabbalah Mises, practical Kabbalah. A group of three Galochim traveled from far. And they said, we heard about your Mifsim. Did you hear about ours? They wanted to have a, a showdown. So Rabbi Shmuel said, listen, I have a friend, Rabbi Yankiv, he lives far away. He has a manuscript I very much desire. If you could somehow magically get that manuscript here, you know, then that will, yeah. You know, then, then I'll, uh, I'll admit that you have some kayak over there. They took him to a forest. It could be there were some other people there. They, took, they went to a forest. There were three galachim. They made a circle around one of them. And they, the two of them said, we are going to summon the soul of the third galach, who's going to pass out. His soul will travel to that Yankiv. He will get the manuscript to bring it back. And they did that. The guy Taka passed out. His soul was traveling. It was a three-day journey to go there and back. When the three days are up, these two galochim are whispering incantations. They can't get the guy to revive. They, the soul is back, but they can't bring the soul back in the body. They can't figure out what's going on. They look and they see that Shmuel is muttering something. They say, what, I say, what are you doing? He says, listen, you were boasting about your kayak. See if you can bring them. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. He said, okay, I'll stop muttering my Seamus, but you have to be made that my Kayach is stronger than your Kayach. And he stopped talking, and the guy Taka revived, that apparently he had the manuscript in his hand. <laughs> These are the mices that have been passed down about Shmuel. There is something that the Rebbe said. The Rambam writes in a letter. He writes that Mashiach is going to come, and... Uh, he gives a year, which was a couple years after the Rambam passed away. Now that year came and went 800 years ago. But the Rebbe said the Rambam wasn't so off because that year Shmuel HaChosid was born. And he was such a prophet. The Rambam wasn't so much speaking about Mashiach coming. He was speaking about when prophecy will return, which is a Hagdama to Mashiach coming. And the Rebbe said this Shmuel HaChosid was a Navi. Now, the Rebbe wasn't the first person mm -hmm. to call him a Navi. 500 years ago already, the, when he's quoted by the, by the big Paiskim, they referred to him as Shmuel HaNavi. Now, he had visions. He pushed, saw things. He saw things. And the Rebbe said that his birth was a fruition of the Rambam's prophecy of Navur returning to the Eden. Fascinating. That's Shmuel. So now that you know who Shmuel is, we can talk about his son. His son, Rabbi Yehuda, was born... We don't know the exact year, roughly 1150, which would make his father around 35. These years are our estimate. Yehuda HaChosid is born in Shpire. 
He's living in, in Shpire. And let's begin with number one. In number one is a story about his mother while Yehuda was in um, exactly an uber bimei imoy number one there's a maise she imoy shel rabbeinu the mother of Yehuda chassid kishahoy sahara when she was ex- uh, expecting lolad decided to to bear him avra liyad beis hakneses bevermaizer they were in worms for whatever reason and she was passing by a shul in worms and there was a very narrow lane towards her comes a gola, a wagon, heavy wagon, means going fast, you can't stop. The Goyish wagon driver, Bikishla, wanted to crush her. The hated says, of the crosser, he whips the horses to get them going. So close to the door of the shul. To crush her to the wall. The Nasalones, a miracle happened. The Kir Besaknesis Shaka Pnima, the wall of the shul all of a sudden indented inwards. Kefimi does exactly according to her measurements. So she kind of just uh, was like sucked into the wall. So the story is about Rashi, but it's also about Yehuda Chosid. And I, I think this is actually the more the 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 more reliable version, but I don't know, I wasn't there by either of them. The Kach Nitzlan, so she was saved. Many people attest to this. They testify, they saw the sheker, they saw the indent in the wall of the shul. Now that doesn't prove it should be Huda Chassid, it could have been Rashi's. But I'll call upon him, this is the story that's written by Rabbi Huda Chassid. So already as a fetus. So the question is, who's the star of the story, Rabbi Huda Chassid or his mother? Was it Bizchus the mother, who was obviously a big tzadikis, or was Bizchus we don't know. There is an old legend, and I'm going to repeat it. It's not on the paper. I'm going to repeat it because I've seen it in many places. So it's part of the uh, Jewish folklore. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. According to this legend, Rabbi Yehuda Achosid, when he was younger, was not into learning. His father, Rabbi Shmuel, had a yeshiva. Rabbi Shmuel, besides for being a big makubal and everything, he was also a Rosh Yeshiva. And... Uh, Rabbi Yehuda was playing around. Rabbi Yehuda had a brother, by the way, Rabbi Avraham, who became a big Rosh Hashiva later as well. But Rabbi Yehuda apparently was, was running around. So the Shmuel students one day say, Rebbe, you're busy teaching the whole world Torah, and you have a son over here, and he can't, he can't, he can't sit for a second and learn. He's, he's up to no good. Well, up to no good. But he was uh, wasting his time. Rabbi Shmuel becomes very serious. And he says the name of Hashem. And the entire room became full of getlachkeit. And all of the students, they had to face the ground. The only one who was unfazed was Rabbi Yehuda. He was the only one unfazed. So his father says, and specifically to Rabbi Yehuda's brother Avram, you're going to be a big Rosh Yeshiva. But the one who's going to carry the torch of all the Kabbalistic tradition is going to be your brother Rabbi Yehuda. Because you see the greatness of his soul that he was able to receive all this godliness and he wasn't faced. According to this story, Rabbi Yehuda himself was so inspired by that, that his father showed him that uh, you have something that nobody has. So he made a 180 and he threw himself into learning. That's just, uh, what should I tell you? Al-Koponim, Rabbi Yehuda HaChosid was living in, in Shpira for a while. One night he has to leave. 
This is also a well-documented story. What was the story? Very mysterious. He had a certain box in his house. He told his wife, you can never touch that box if you're a nidda. Never touch the box. One, one night, his wife was cleaning the house, and a mistake, she picks up the box. Rabbi Yehuda runs home, we're out of here, we have to leave here right away. They, they left the city, and he moved to Regensburg. And he lives the rest of his life in Regensburg, which is in Germany. And he opens that, he has a big yeshiva there. And Rabbi Yehuda HaChosid, as was the Rosh Yeshiva, he had big students. Um, the Urzerua learned Nigla by him. The Smag, others learned. Ultimately, he passes away in Regensburg. And in number three, we have a story. This is from Rubruven Margolis, who wrote incredible footnotes on Rabbi Yehuda Chassid's works. He brings the following story in number three. That Beregensburg, Huchruchu Lahavir Kol Meis, Bailicham Oyser Lamakam Kvurosa Derech Shar Hoir. Regensburg, I guess, was, was kind of a walled city. And every mace, every dead body, had to be taken through the gate of the city to the cemetery. The Tolu Anochim Pa'amun Alashar, the Goyim, they hanged bells by the gate. And whenever they took a body through, Tzultzul HaPa'amun, they would bang those bells. The Ruzhna once said if the Christians would know how much tumor they cause and create by ringing the bells, they would do it all day. Not just on the hour, they would do it the entire day. The amount of clipper comes from those bells. When, when the Yehuda HaChosu was ill, he said, if I am a Ben Elam Haba, then this gate will fall after my death. And I take that to mean that he also meant that those bells aren't going to be ringing when they pass my body through. I just say that because at the end of the story, when they took his bed, meaning the coffin, through the gate, and he was the biggest rabbi of the city, you could be sure that the Christian gatesman was very excited to ring those bells over the body of Ibn Yehuda HaChosid. So the shoyer ran, lost his kergele. So I, I imagine the Yidin wanted to take his body fast so they wouldn't ring the bells. The bellman ran as fast as he could so he could hop around the bells. The problem is he ran so fast that when he went, Venofal Hashar, I guess the whole thing destabilized, maybe because of how fast he was running. The shar, the gate with the bell fell. The shoyer, the gatesman, the bellman was killed. And the bell never rang. What's so bad about a bell? And the Goyim said, now we know how great this man was, you know. Like the church bells. Church bells, church bells, yeah, yeah, church bells. <clears throat> so that's a story that happened when he passed away. So like we said, he was a Rosh Yeshiva. Um, to the naked eye, that's what he was. He gave Shurim and Nikla in Halacha. But we know him more for his mystery. We know him more. Oh, good, we have some Koyan stuff coming up. Oh, wow. <laughs> he must be, wow. Came from Hollywood. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, that's not Look at you, dressed. Just I thought you dressed up for the shoot. <laughs> yeah, but Hashem, maybe I didn't uh, get back <clears> to <throat> my other clothes. No, you dressed like this for the shoot. Yeah, for Yehuda Chassid Jartai. I saw that on the thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyhow, he wasn't a Kayan, but uh, we're going <laughs> to. Nonetheless, so we just discussed a bit about his father, about <clears throat> his life. To the naked eye, he was a regular Rosh Yeshiva in Germany. We said he's famous for his Yeshiva in Regensburg. He had to move from Speyer because his wife moved the box, the forbidden box. We have no idea what was in the box. No, it's a mystery. I you were he told his wife, you don't, it's a Pandora's box, right? You're going to open up and who's going to come out. 
So, but we know Rabbi Yehuda Chassid for his mystery, for his, uh, for his Kabbalah, because like we said before, his father, Rabbi Shmuel Hanavi, had selected Rabbi Yehuda specifically to be the one to carry on the torch that had been passed down for 50 generations, going back to the Tanoim. In number two, this is from the Sefer Charedim, Rabbi Lazar Ezkari, who was a contemporary of the Arizal and Tzvas in the 1500s. He writes a comment, I, I've quoted it before, I love to quote it. He says, Someone who's in love likes to sing. Loving Debish is even greater than to a woman. So if someone sings to a woman, how much more so you should sing to God? I quoted it once. I quoted about the Ibn Ezra. If someone loves God with a full heart, he will sing before him. Like Moshe sang, and the Yidin sang, and Miriam, and Dvairah, and Yeshua, and Kairachskis, and David, and Shlom, Baruch HaKadosh. And with a tremendous desire for the Ebeshte, it wasn't just in the times of Tanakh. The Rishonim, even the Achroinim, even recent scholars sang before God. And he mentions three of the big Rishonim. Rabbi Yehuda HaLevi, the author of the Kuzari. Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid, he's our guy. And Avraham Ibn Ezra. All three of them great poets. V'chavireim and their friends. What poems do we have from Yehuda HaChassid? The song Anim Zmiris, according to most opinions, not the tune, not the tune, but the words, the, song, the, word, words, the words, the words. But not the tune from the Rebbe? No, 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 not the tune, not the tune. The tune is from the Rebbe. From somewhere, where the Rebbe got it from, like all the other Nagunim. The, the words are long. Anim Zmiris and Nafshi Chomd is just two of the stanzas. There are many stanzas. It's a long song. In, in Ashkenazi shuls, they sing it every Shabbos. When I was a kid growing up in my father's shul, I would sing it. Anim Zmir. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's a, I did it at Beth Israel too. Anim Zmir. Yeah, that's the song. That's another one. Now, it's, a, it's according to most opinions from Yehuda HaChassid. Wow. Because it's from an old, old manuscript that was discovered from hundreds of years ago, and it says clearly from Yehuda HaChassid. Although Rabbi Yankov Emden believes it's from Yehuda HaChassid's father. Because towards the end of the song it says, Tikar Rinas Rosh. Rinas Rosh? Is it Rinas Rosh? The song of Rosh, which means a poor man. But Rosh also stands for Rab Shmuel. As if to say, the song of Rab Shmuel should be precious in your eyes. So Yankavan believes it's from his father. Most please Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid. Al Kopanim, this is a bit about Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid. Even though it's not in the Siddur. It's not in the Siddur. I'll say the Pragdomus in the Siddur, not Animus Miris. Yeah, um, yeah, on Animus Miris, he taught it. So we took it in a different way, because in the Siddur, it is there. It's at the <coughs> end of Davening, they have it in there. Ashkenazim. There was a whole story behind the Nigan as well. But, but we, we, yeah, 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 yeah. An incredible story. What? No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I, <coughs> At the end of this year, we have to. Th- it's connected we'll to Rabbi Yehuda. Yeah, yeah, okay, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll save that. We'll save that. All right. So here's the thing. One story. Rabbi Yehuda Hachosid, there was a gvir in his town, in Regensburg. 
who were who were was clean shaven. So and you know, we'll say that story too. We'll say that story too. Let, 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 let's get to what we have over here. There's a story I always love to quote, Rabbi Huda Chosid's Bachram. They said, Rebbe, we have a chasana. Remember the story? In another town. Yeah. He said, don't go! Beers, oh, he said, the one with the... Said, we're gonna go. He said, you have to go through the forest. The forest is best dangerous. They said, we know, yeah. we know Kabbalistic... Uh, Kabbalomysis. He told them not to go. They went. They were attacked by bandits. They used a Kabbalistic name. And they survived. They went to the wedding. They come back. Rabbi Huda says, what you guys do? You abused the holy name? Who asked you to go there? I told you no. Right. You just lost. Are you allowed to put yourself in danger? Right? If you lose, use the crown of the Abishta, you could lose your life, even the world to come. Right. You could lose the world to come. So he said, if you want to get it back, you have to go back to the scene of the crime. Same place, meet those bandits, and this time no Kabbalistic tricks. And they went, and they were all killed. And Rabbi Yehuda Achosid told his other students that as sad as it is, it's a big benefit, because now they went straight to Gan Eden. Right. Very disturbing. Well, you'll ask, can you not use names of Hashem to save your life? But they shouldn't have gone in the first place. They were told not to. They were told not to go. Right, exactly. Because we had a whole shear that Shuva, you have to go back to the scene of the crime, yeah, remember? Yeah, that was Going ideas. back to the scene of the crime. Anyhow, Koponim, Shub Yehuda wasn't a man to mess with. He was serious business. I don't know any jokes that he said. He was once by a bris. Okay? Usually when they bring the baby, everybody stands up. Elio Anovi. He's there. You stand up. Shub Yehuda didn't stand up. So some of the students asked Rebbe, what's that? So everyone stood up and you sat. So he told a few of his students, those that were able to see. He says, there's an old man standing in the corner. You've never seen him before. So they look, they talk, they see someone, never seen He tells his students, only a few of you can see him. No one else in the room can see him. That's Elio Anovi. Why is he hanging out in the corner? Usually he comes and takes his seat by the... But he didn't. He said, Eliyahu Anobi doesn't want to be here. But because Hashem said, you know, he complained that he didn't, don't keep the bris. Hashem said, you're going to see every single one. But he's hanging out in the corner. You know why? Because this kid is one day going to be a major apicarius. And because of that, he doesn't even want to sit on the chair. And therefore, if, if Eliyahu doesn't want to participate in the bris, you know, so I didn't stand up. That's the story. And it always bothered me. If Elio Anavi isn't going to sit by that kid, what hope does the kid have not to be an Apicarus? Not giving him a chance. Anyhow, so you get a bit of an idea to be Huda Chassid is someone uh, otherworldly. A few of his practices are brought in Shulchan Aruch. He used to fast two days Yom Kippur, 48 hours. Just like every Yom, if you don't know which is the real day, you fast 48 hours. His student, the Urza Ruwa, the Yitzchak of Vienna, writes, that if people want to fast two days Yom Kippur, he says, I don't encourage anyone to do it. If people ask me, I'll tell them, don't do it. But if I see someone do it, I'll never mock them or I'll never reproach them because my Rebbe did it. I don't encourage it, but because my Rebbe did it, if I see someone do it, I can't. Uh, 
It's holy. It's holy. Yeah, you do tests on Yud or Yud and Yud? Yud and Yud Aleph. Because Elul's 29, maybe 30. So another thing about him which is brought is that Shabbos, you can't fast. Not by night, not by day. Oinik Shabbos, you have to enjoy. But in Shulchan Aruch, it's brought, what if eating Shabbos by day is harmful? For example, Rabbi Yehuda HaChosid fasted every day of his life, by day, only ate at night. By day, he never ate. Every day? Every day. Sunday, <coughs> Monday, every day, only ate at night. Never ate by day. Even in the long summer German days, he ate at night. So for him to eat Shabbos day would, would mess up his whole system. So the Shulchan Aruch says, if you're such a person, for you, Einuk Shabbos is to fast. So that's his brought there as well. So these are, <laughs> these are his uh, hobbies, shall we say. Like what? It's a case of Shinui Yeah, exactly, exactly. The whole cycle goes off. Okay. Now, he's famous, like we said, for his Sefer Chsidim and for his special Tzavah, the Will and Testament. They're, they're two separate works. The Will and Testament most probably wasn't written by him but by his students, and that's crucial, as we'll see in a few minutes. Um, Today they're printed in the same Sefer. It's in the Sefer Chsidim. The, the Will and Testament's only 40, 50 pages. The next 500 pages are the Sefer Chsidim. I put a few here just to get a bit of a taste. There's about 70 or 80 all up, different like one-liners that he says. And let's read it. Look at number four. ish, if you bury a woman, that would eat babies while she was alive. I had to put this in just because of the strangeness of it. So now, you, now she died, you're burying her. What if you see her mouth is open as a corpse? No, 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 because he, he, he's worried that she's undead. If her mouth is open as a corpse, you have to fill up that mouth. This is like real medieval... Uh, this is stuff in the <laughs> She's going to come out of her grave and do it. So you have to fill that mouth with earth. She won't damage anymore. Okay, this is a, this is a, he speaks about vampires in the Sefer Chsidim. But this is his will that he left. We'll see if it's for only his kids or for all Yidin. Okay. They put clay in, in, in people's mouths nowadays? Or is clay? it on, only on the eyes? No, they put clay. In the mouth? I don't know if it's the mouth. They definitely put it on the eyes. Keep it closed. No, shards of clay, specifically clay. In Israel? Clay pottery. No, here. I do it. I do it all the time. I don't remember if they put it on the mouth or not. They definitely uh -huh. put it on the eyes. Okay. Fine. Number five. Here I have from a few others. The beginning, Lamed Vav, number 36. The night the wife goes to mikveh, you have to be with her. Now that's a halacha. That's a real halacha in Shulchan Aruch, right? Uh, that's oina. The mitzvah minatayra of oina, of being with your wife at the right time, is lel tevila. That is the biggest. So you wonder why he even had to write that. This, this, according to many, it's a biblical obligation. At least rabbinic. At least rabbinic. Um, okay, the next one he says, this is a great one. Number 37 is, If someone says in a way of laughter or daring or der gizm or gizm guzma is an exaggeration, or derech litzanus or his anger, that I'm going to do ABC, even if he only said it once, make sure you do it before you die. So if in the course of a conversation you stated that I, you threw out some sarcastic comment of doing a certain act, 
Make sure you do it before it's, make sure it's on the bucket list. Got a lot of stuff I got to do. Next one. This is a famous one. You shouldn't leave your house for a trip and go back home if you forgot something. Rather, you stand outside, get someone else to go in and tell them what you need. That's a famous one that people are careful about. We're always forgetting things. Yeah, yeah. You see what happened. Right, right. But Yaakov, yeah. The next one is also a famous one. You should not um, sh- polish your shoes on the day that you plan to go on a trip. Out there ever comment But this is yeah. the reason. Because the list will know, right? If you, they see your the Al was asked about, the Al said, if I would explain just this one, I would have to write a set of Svarim bigger than the whole Shalah, just to explain that one. So wow. it could be what you're saying is one layer. One layer. But these things, the Rebbe once commented that the Rebbe once by Fabrengen, I didn't have time to get on the sheet, said, we're only getting the bottom, bottom line of this. There is so many layers of meaning behind. All you get is the bottom line. So to us, it's a chayk. To us, just go break your head in the wall and figure out why. The Baal Shem Tov apparently said about one, of, I think it was also about this one about the Shushai, and the Baal Shem Tov said, I'm amazed that a man born from a human mother could have come up with this. It's like, we don't even know what's behind the background. The next one, he says, this is a good one. You should not sit on a wagon that's in a boat. If you're in a boat, you shouldn't sit in your car. You shouldn't sit in your car. You shouldn't sit in your car. So if you're visiting wow. Brody and fish around. Sweat the Brody. Get out of your car. Get out of your car. Yeah, get out of your car. died in the car. What? Oh, it fell off. It fell off the boat. What was it two years ago? Fell, 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 fell. We had to fight the autopsy. Here you go. It was late from where to where? From here. That's all you got to get out of that. Fish around? And it, it, something happened. It rolled off and rolled into the water. And two I years. Couldn't get out. Two years. Couldn't open it with the pressure of the water. Unbelievable. Horrible. Horrible. Oh gosh. V'chein lo yikrev al sus sotu. You shouldn't sit on a horse if it's inside a boat. V'yesh oimrim af al daf shabaylit masfina lo yeshiv. If a boat has a plank sticking out, you shouldn't sit on the plank. Now that could that that could just be you know bad idea, right? But obviously this is more than just bad or good idea. It, well, that's very applicable today too, with all these motorboats and they have things in the back that stick out. It always scares the heck out of me. The engines right below the, the propellers. Yeah. Next one, Lloyd, This one is actually brought in Shulchan Aruch, number forty-one. <coughs> you should not shecht geese during Shvat. Okay. There's a family that doesn't do it in Tevis. The Iker though is in Shvat. The Ramah brings that in Shulchan Aruch, and he says there are shechtim who don't shecht both months geese because there's one day during those sixty days. I don't know which. That if you shecht the goose and you don't eat from its heart, you'll die. So there are shoichtim, you don't know what day it is, if they ever shecht a goose during Tevis or Shvat, they quickly eat the heart. That's what the Ramah brings in Shulchan Aruch. This is the source. No, 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 no. Number six, I threw this in, about the, about the Koyan. He says, Lo yikra ish mizara. You see, this is not him talking, it's his student talking on his behalf. No one from the family of, his, of Rabbi Yehuda Chosset should call his son Yehuda or Shmuel. 
Rabbi Yehuda's name was Yehuda, his father was Shmuel. The names are taken, they're reserved. No one in the family could retired. give the name Yehuda or Shmuel. Exactly, they're a retired number or something, right? There's the Shochats and the Korfs over there with our names. No Yehuda or Shmuel if from Yehuda Achosid, you can't. Lo yodu rav behildberg, no rabbi Hiddelberg. No rav should live in Hiddelberg. Because lo yarach yomim. No koyin should live in Regensburg. No koyin. A levi kalish. No koyin in Regensburg. Wow. And no one named Elozer should live in Regensburg. <laughs> Augsburg, and no, no man or woman should live in Estreich, which is Austria, Austria. unless they go from the Malchus every year for one month. One month a year they have to leave Austria. If you live in Austria, you spend one month of the year out of the country. Wow. You want to know why? Break your head in the wall. Go figure why. Then he says, Isha Mizaro, if a woman comes from Huda Achasid, she yelled, once she gives birth, her first meal shouldn't be chicken. No, some, I, 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 once, I once bring Chinese, someone gave birth, they want a Chinese right away. But if they're from Yehuda Achasid, their first thing shouldn't be Chinese chicken. Today know That's right, it should not be chicken. I don't know. Mustama, there are some people. Doesn't he have something about windows? Yeah, yeah. He says he has tons of stuff over here. The so there's famous ones. If you have a window or a doorway and you stuff it up, you have to leave an entrance. You have to leave an opening. Yeah, yeah because the shade need to leave. So people ask, oh, the window anyways is glass. Shadim are a concept. They're, they're not physical. They're conceptual. So they leave through conceptual exits. A window, a door. If you block it up, you have to leave a crack. He said other things. The idea stretching the head, of the, someone passes away. Before you bury, you stretch. You stretch the... No, 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 no. If you have a window and you want to block it up, leave part of it open. Yeah, yeah. By a mace, you stretch out the hand, the fingers. Why? Shouldn't be clenched. He didn't say why. This is actually an explanation given in Medrash and Yalkut Shemani. If someone gets buried like this, it looks like they're taking something with them from this world. <laughs> so you want to, they're leaving everything, not everything behind. He said, not about burying two enemies next to each other. Which is brought in halacha from it's from uh, this Roman Testament. So Not having two, uh, uh, this one person be a sandak for two of your boys. Probably heard that by bris. Yeah. Not having one. You that's from you. That's from. Where is that from? From you. That's that's you. And then by the sh- what? Some of these things because of Ayn or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many Same of these idea, things. Then. So the okay, two, right? Two get, uh, yeah, yes, that's also brought in shulchan aruch. I don't know if that's that's not from him. That's yes. right, Ayn Hara. He said a lot about marriage, of course, and that's where we're going to go. About He says two brothers shouldn't marry two sisters. Or Bechlau, two siblings from one family shouldn't marry two siblings from another. There's an article today about this. Really? There's a family, the third, the third couple from two families. So he said that um, a, bo- a boy shouldn't marry a girl if her father is the same name as yours. And so right. to the yeah. girl and the mother-in-law. He says even more, the two mechutanim. The fathers of the Chos and Kala shouldn't have the same name. That's not so... Uh, the father of the Chos and Kala? The, the father of the Chos and the father of the Kala shouldn't have the same name. That could be a problem with us because you have a lot of Menachem Mendel. But so the Vartis, not all of his Tzavois have become mainstream. Some yes, some not. That's what we're going to talk about. So let's, uh, let's go. Let's, let's see what we can get done. We'll do this quick. Okay. So... He said two siblings shouldn't marry two other siblings. He said you can't marry your niece. The problem is, 
many of these things he said not to do are clear, okay actions in the Gemara. That the Gemara says are perfectly okay. And the question's going to be, well, how could he debate with the Gemara? Is it a debate? And if it is a debate, who do we follow? Why would we listen to him against the Gemara? And how could he go against the Gemara? And this is... Yeah, it's a mitzvah, because the Rambam sees it's a mitzvah. Right, right, right we're going to see. Was he considered a Kabbalist? Most definitely. He was the Kabbalist of the generation. So then Kabbalah there is, can argue with Gemara, with, it depends if it's the Zayar we don't, we, 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 would, we would rather God. not. We would rather not. We would rather try and explain how it works. Sure, how it works. there is a, a ven- an avenue. That... There is. The Vilna Gaon said that there's never a real contradiction between Kabbalah and Gemara. You have to know how to weave it through and the Rebbe definitely always tried to do that to weave they it through you don't want to have a debate said, that's what the halacha said the, they uh, asked the Hill Parachus said that, yeah. that in the Shulchan Aruch the Alter Rebbe writes in Huchas Tefillin Kabbalah versus halacha you follow halacha later on but in the Siddur where when it was said, the Alter Rebbe said if Kabbalah and halacha go head to head you follow the Kabbalists so they asked the Alter Rebbe you wrote in Shulchan Aruch you follow the Paiskim that's what the Paiskim say. <laughs> the Kabbalists say you follow the Kabbalists. <laughs> Listen, the Arizal created the Bracha Hanoisin Layoyev Koyach. Do you know how much firestorm that Bracha has created? It's not found in Gomorrah anywhere. The Arizal said to make the Bracha. Rabbi Yosef Kaira doesn't bring it. The Chidah is a big believer that whatever the Arizal says, uh, that's it, buck stops there. I, Rabbi Yosef Kaira, disagrees. The Chidoi is sure that had Rabbi Yosef Kaira known what the Arizal knew, he would have agreed, and therefore it's not a real argument. Avadya Yosef, who was a this Fardic rabbi of the previous generation, I mean, he was a big scholar, and, and uh, okay, and for, for our times, he disagreed with the Chidoi big time on this. I mean, who is he? I know, but let me just tell you what his opinion He believes that Fakert, Rabbi Yosef Kaira, is the be all and end all. Maran, he is the. And. Uh, we will not sway from Rabbi Yosef Kairos Psakim because the Arizal said. It's known that Avadya Yosef uh, had that opinion. He, and he took on the Chidah. He took on the Chidah. And, uh, okay. So those that follow Avadya, I guess, by, but there were, okay, in, in the last generation, there were lots of Sfardish Kabbalists under them, right? And almost all of them were against Avadya Yosef on this. All the Kabbalists sided with the Chidah. A whole group of Sephardish Kabbalists, they sided with the Chidah. But Avadya Yosef doesn't care if the whole world's against him. He was a... Please, please, please. Anyhow. So, so back to over here. The problem is Rabbi Yehuda Chosset says, let's say, not to marry your niece, right? He says you shouldn't marry your niece. Look at number eight. It's a Gemara in Yavamas. If someone loves his neighbor, if someone brings close his relative, if someone marries the daughter of his sister, and if someone gives a coin to a poor man when he needs it, on him the Pasuk says in Yeshaya, we're number eight, Oz Tikra, you will call, God will answer you. You will cry out, Hashem will say, I am here. So the Gemara is saying that marrying your niece is a beautiful thing. In fact, look at number nine. The Rambam writes, Mitzvah's Chachamim. The Rambam understands it is a mitzvah that a person should marry Basachos to your niece. And he says, even though the Gemara says, the daughter of your sister, who are the daughter of your brother? 
Because don't ignore your own flesh. So the Rambam holds the same daughter of your brother, daughter of your sister. I will tell you, look at number 10. Is the Hagoyis Maimonus. It's a commentary on the Rambam written by uh, a Koyan. He was a Koyan in the 1200s. He was a student of the Maram of Rottenburg. He was murdered, he and his family, in the Rindfleisch massacres in 1298 murdered with uh, many other students of the Maram of Rottenburg. Anyhow, the Chain Pidush Rashbam, he writes in number 10, the Rashbam says that uh, also it's both your sister's son and your brother's son. I, Achoy said, the Nokat Talmud, why did Gemara say the son of your, si- of your sister, Just say if, it, if it's both? Because a, a, a person's closer to his sister than to his brother, and it's more common that you'll marry her daughter. So the Gemara just said the common case, but in truth, it's by both nieces. The daughter of your sister. Because she's bas mazoloi. Your niece from your sister is similar to you. Because we have a rule, most children are similar to the mother's brother. So if you marry your sister's daughter, she is similar to you because ah, you are her mother's brother. So Rabbi Natam says, Dafka, your sister's daughter. It's not your, your brother's daughter. So Rashbam, Rabbi Natam's brother, disagrees and says it's every niece. Alma Chabadnik's marrying their cousins and first cousins yeah. trying to get back in there. Right. The Rambam's opinion is, the Rambam's opinion is both. We saw in number nine that Rambam says both. It doesn't matter which niece. He goes like Rashbam. But Rashi Pirish, Rashi says, no, Gagui Odom Rabbi Rashi says, a person's feelings are stronger for his sister than his brother. Because you love your sister more than your brother, you'll take good care of your, of your wife if you marry your sister's daughter. So you have Rashi and Rabbi Tam saying, it's Dafka, your sister's son. You have the Rashbam and the Rambam saying, it's even your brother's son. If you look in the Magid Mishnah number 11, is the main commentary on the Rambam, he gives a bit of uh, marriage uh, advice over here. He says, Kosov Rabbeinu, he says, number, uh, number 11. He says, the Rambam says, Hu adin it's also your brother's daughter. But Rashi says, no. Rashi says, Gagui Adam is Robin, is greater on your sister than your brother. And uh, the special mitzvah is Dafka, your sister's son. Vedas Rabbeinu, so why does the Rambam say it's either, either, either niece? It's based on a medrash that Nasa Adam Isha Mekrovos of a person marries a wife from his relatives. It says about him Etzimat Somai Bosom Mipsori. Right, what Adam told Chava. Vehoinian says the Magid Mishnah like this: Avas Hakrovim Hitivis. Love of relatives is natural. A man and a wife is created. Husband and wife, it's because of circumstance. It's a mikra lehem. You happen to marry each other. Family, it's in your blood. If you could imagine, if you could marry your relative, so you have both, you dance by both weddings, so to speak. You have the created love of a husband and wife, plus the natural love, which apparently is there by relatives. <laughs> if you can have them both, then the oil nochen, the yeshalom bias, you can imagine how beautiful it would be. Now, it could be a cousin. Once you're saying this, it better be a relative, so it could be a cousin. No, but there's nothing stronger than the daughter of your sister 
or the daughter of your brother. Who's saying this? The Magid Mishnah is saying why the Rambam felt it's any niece. But isn't it interesting? Because the Rambam himself, there was that big, that famous where he says that it's your family members. It's talking about uh, Yershin, and it was your family member, your brother was specifically going to, you don't do a certain thing because they're not close and you're not, and, and they're your threat. They're your threat. For a mesis, a mesis, to seduce someone to have a desire. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the halacha. Yeah, that's the Gemara. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the Rambam goes into all the worst ones for you or your own family? Yeah, yeah, it could be. His first cousin, first cousin. The Rabbeim all pretty, okay. It's the Machsedek and his wife were first cousins. The Reb Marash's first wife was his niece, his brother's daughter. By the Sheva Brachas, she got ill, died two months later. Then he married his first cousin, Rebbe Zanrifkin. Rebbe Yehuda HaChotzer says you don't marry your niece. The issue is, the issue is, the Gemara says marrying your niece is a beautiful thing. The Rambam says it's a mitzvah. Okay, we see that Rashi Rabbeinu Tam says specifically that your sister's daughter, the Rambam though, and the Rashbam say it's either niece, but either way, Rabbi Yehuda HaChotzer forbids the whole thing. He forbids the whole thing? Yeah, either way, either way. Either way. Yeah. What's going on? He forbids even your sister's daughter. Or no, more importantly, is even your brother's daughter. No, even your sister's daughter, which according to everybody is a mitzvah. Good, right? It's a mitzvah. He says, "Don't do it." How could he say that? Another thing. Look at number seven. Ki also, this is number seven to Gemara and Brachas. When Rabbi Yitzchak came from Eretz Yisrael to Bavel, he said there was a certain city in Israel called Gufnis. There were eighty pairs of Koyan brothers, meaning. There were 160 Kayanim, Bachrim, and uh, there were 80 pairs of brothers. Each, now, corresponding to them were 160 girls, 80 pairs of sisters. And every pair of brothers married a pair of sisters. And all of those girls were daughters of Kayanim. <laughs> you would have danced on that. Oh my gosh, pure, pure like heaven. losing it. So wait, 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 hold on. Let's let's see what happened. There were Shmoinim Zugis Achim. There were eighty pairs of brothers Koyanim married to Shmoinim Zugis Achis, eighty pairs of, of girls Koyanis. So Rabbi Yitzchok said that's what happened in Israel. Now he comes to Bovel. He wants to see what's going on in Bovel. Gufnis is the name of a town. That's what it is. And it's in Israel. But they came to 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 Rabbi Yitzchok came to Bovel. The rabbis put out a search. From Surah to Nardor, they only found one, one they didn't find except the daughters of Rav Chista. Rav Chista was a Kayan. He had two girls, and they were married to brothers, to Romi Bar and Marukva Bar and they weren't even Kayan. The Afal Gav, even though the girls were Kayentas, but the, the, the husbands weren't Kayanim. So in Bavl, they had no Shaykhs, this whole Kayanim thing. But what does this, what does this show you? That two brothers marrying two sisters was praised. Fakir Rabbi Yitzchak saying, you know what goes on in Israel? And in Bavo they looked and they only found one such. It's like something to aspire to. Could it be that Rabbi Yudan, uh, and Rabbi Yehuda saying, don't do it because he's talking about Golas? But it seems like when the Gemara says they looked in Bavo, ah. they only found one. Is the Gemara lamenting there was only one? Or maybe there's a reason there was only one. Well, maybe they were, the Gemara was possibly lamenting it. And then Rabbi Yehuda Chassid come later on and said, it's the only for Israel. Don't do it. Don't try to do it. Okay. It's only that, for Israel. It's possible. It, it's a guess. But the fact is, he says you shouldn't do it. 
And the Gemara seems to be uh, it's definitely lamenting. Praising it, right? Yeah, another, you know, the same way that we find Tosa says like every uh, whole stuff. Right. So things can change. Maybe he also like it once. What will? Oh, oh, oh. So it's not that good that we right, right. go against the Gemara. Yeah, yeah. I hear. It's a different. different I hear. So we're going to see some of those arguments very it's soon. Another Gemara number twelve, and this will be the end of the first page. This is a Gemara in Saita. There was a guy, Shmuel Saba. He was the father-in-law of Rab Shmuel Barami. So the father-in-law and son-in-law had the same name, Shmuel. And the Shver actually quotes the son-in-law. You don't often have the Shver quoting the son-in-law. And this is a vart about when Yehuda married Tomer. Yehuda was with Tomer one night, right? Later on he finds out who she was. So this Shmuel Barami said, Kivan Shayada, once Yehuda was with her once, Shuv Loi Pastakmi, he never stopped. He married her. Because it says here, Veloi Yosaf Oid Ladaita. Simply, you would think it means he didn't continue. But it says about Matan Torah, it was a call God of Veloi Yosef, that the Abish's voice was big. <coughs> and there, Yosef means end, it didn't end. So when it says Yehuda, Loi Yosef, it means he didn't end to know Tommy, he remained with her. This was opinions that say no. Right, just to, uh, the law Yosef means he didn't continue, right. But who said this word? Shmuel Saba, in the name of his son-in-law, his name was Shmuel. So you see that in the times of the Gemara, people didn't care. So the Iyun Yankov, the Yankov Raisha, 300 years ago more, points out, you see that the Amiroyim didn't care about Yehuda Chassid's uh, warnings. He know. says, don't do this. He says, don't do this. Now you should know that by the, even though Yehuda Chassid was Ashkenazi, the Sephardim were petrified from his words. There was an old Jewish saying that if the Aseris Hadibris would have been in Yehuda Chassid's will, people would be more careful about them. <laughs> They're Strange. so scared. Strange. Because generation after generation, the police can write stories about people that didn't listen. Everyone has stories. The Chidor writes stories. The Sephardim, the Chidor writes stories about people that weren't careful who they married. It ended up no kids, people dying, dying young. It was each story, one after the other. Chaim in Izmir, Chaim Falaji, more recently, was very nervous about any of Yehuda HaChosis. And before him, Rabbi Yola Koyin of Izmir, we've mentioned him many times. He was a generation before the Baal Shem Tif. And even before him, Chaim Ben Venesti. He's known as the Knesset Hagdoyla, chief rabbi of Izmir. Originally, he was a supporter of Shabzai Tzvi. Shabzai Tzvi knocked out the other rabbi of Izmir and he put uh, the Knesset Hagdoyla as rough. Later, the Knesset Hagdoyla turned, turned against Shabzai Tzvi. I mean, was, but all of these big up on him, they're very, very afraid to mess with anything from Abu Huda HaChassid. And we're going to see, Davka, some of the Ashkenazim were the ones. Were the ones, because the Sephardim are more naturally disposed, predisposed to the mysterious, to the spiritual. Yeah, spiritual. Stories, spiritual. Always, uh, the Ashkenazim, the Ashkenazim are nigla, rationalists, they've always been. They've, by the Rishonim, what did Rabbeinu Tam do for Parnosa? He had a bank. Rashi's making wine. What are the Rambam, the Ramban, their doctors, their philosophers, they learned in Spain, everyone had a different, there was a different chinuch. Astronomy, they learned all these... Uh, but in France and Germany, it was much more nigle, you know, and then uh, you had a job to make parnasa. But the Sephardim for, forever, more into Kabbalah, more into the mystery. Well, they are moving to the Mozart jobs. 
Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, the, but the difference what type of job. By the Sephardim, the Rajba was a doctor, we know. The Ramban was a doctor. The Rambam was a doctor. Yeah? The Rived writes, Faye Rived lives in, in Provence, France. He writes, I didn't learn astronomy, so he doesn't want to comment on the Rambams. And he, I'm not from there. In, in Spain, they learned that. In Spain, they learned many, many, philo- they, meant they learned philosophy. Fine, let's... Uh, fine. So we've seen a few Gemaras that say, Rabbi Yuchad, don't marry your niece. Gemara number eight, it's a mitzvah. Be worried, you know the same name as Yeshver. In number 12, the Gemara says, seems to say, the Amaroim had no problem with that. Siblings marrying siblings, you have the Gemara number seven, that look what happened in Israel, all these Kainim, and in Babel Nebuch, we only found one such thing. And all these things, the Gemara seems to give the green light. Rabbi Yehuda Chassid wants to, to forbid. Does he have the right to do that? So quickly, join me in number 13. A well-known letter of the Noida Yehuda. A well-known letter of the Noida Yehuda. And he was asked, I'll, I'll do it outside. He was asked by a student by the name of Reb David. Reb David told him that I have a sister-in-law who wants to get married to a beautiful bocher. The problem is he has the same name as her father. What do we do? And the reason they have the same name is because this Bacher was unwell and they added a name to him and now he has the exact same name as his father-in-law. So the Noidib Yehuda starts off five lines in, Ahuvai Tamide, my student, if not for the fact that I love you so much, I don't, I don't discuss these things. This is not Gemara or Halacha, this is... Kabbalistic superstition, we'll call it. But I love you so much, I'm going to do what, what, uh, what I don't frequently do. You should know, my dear student, remember this forever. No rabbi can argue on the Gemara. I don't care how great he is, and I don't care if he's coming to prohibit. He's not coming to, to make something permissible, he's coming to prohibit. Yeah, that was his shita. He says, no, he says, if you do find a chacham, who we know is, uh, is uh, upright and just, who writes something against the Gemara, we have to break ourselves, we have to put our hand behind our back, Lataritz Tvarov. Either he only meant temporarily, or he meant only for his family. Now you should know, about 400 years ago, there was a big meeting of Rabbonim in Poland, and the Maharsha was there. And the discussion turned to all of Rabbi Huda HaChassid's mysterious uh, instructions. And... Rabbi Huda Chassid says, if you remember, that nobody from his family should call themselves Shmuel or Yehuda. The Marshal's name is Shmuel, his father's name is Yehuda, and he was from the family. So someone asked the Marshal, <laughs> how, how could you bear that name? How'd your father have that name? You guys are Enochloch. The Marshal said, we're not careful about it anymore. It was only for the time, for a short amount of time. So that opens up a whole new possibility that maybe none of it is, uh, is relevant. The Neidbuda mentioned such a possibility, it was Raklashar, but he's never going to mention it again. Throughout the letter, he likes the other option that, that the Yehuda Chaz is talking about his family particularly. So he's not arguing on the Gemara. The Gemara is talking in general, he's talking to the family. Always to the family? Yes, always. Now, I, I, some of the things say his family, some of them doesn't. So that's the word. He didn't write the Sefer, his students wrote it. So the historian's conjecture is, 
When the students were sure that it was only for the family, they wrote the family. When they were unsure, they wrote nothing. So the fact that in a certain instance the family isn't mentioned is just because the writer wasn't sure. Says in Neidbi Yehuda, I'm telling you logically, it only makes sense that it was always for the family. If, if that particular instruction goes against the Gemara. If it goes against the Gemara, you have to say that. And he says, we found certain things for Buddha Chassid, it's kimat asr to hear it. You, can, you can't even hear it. Now the Chassidim were very upset at the Nebuchadnezzar for writing such a statement. They seems to be questioning Buddha Chassid's validity. We'll see about that. He said, but he, and he quotes the Gemara we saw. He said, Yehuda says you can't marry your niece. And we saw in the Gemara number eight, it's a mitzvah. He says, another thing that we didn't see yet. Can a father and a son marry two sisters? Imagine a father is getting married another time. He and his son are going to marry two sisters. It's mutter, halachically. Not just that. Rav Papa and his son married two sisters. Rabbi Yehuda Chavza said, you can't. So what's his, his, his throwing Rav Papa under the rug? He says two brothers can marry two sisters. What about the story in Brachas of the 80 pairs of, of boys and girls? And Rav Chista's two daughters who married Rami and Marukva Barachama. If the Chassid, Rabbi Yehuda, was talking to all Jews, he's, he's uh, contradicting the Gemara, it will be usher to, to listen to a word that he said. On the left side, but the truth is that... If the Chassid was Metzavet Tzavo Azu, will, if he... If he instructed this will for all the Yidin, it would be soish to the Gemara, also to Makabal. Look on the left side. But the truth is, the Chassid Lazare Achra of did only for his kids. Because he saw Baruch HaKodesh that his kids won't be Masliach in such a Zivugim. And therefore, he's not contrary the Gemara. The Gemara is talking about generally, he's talking about his family. That's one thing he says. I will tell you that many, many people have a question with Noid Behuda. Once you're saying that Rabbi Yehuda Chaz saw in the future and he was advising don't do it because it will have a bad ending so then let him talk to all the Jews. I'm not arguing on the Gemara. It's Taka Mutter. It's Allahli okay. I have good advice for you. It's not going to work out. Once you're saying that Savara then why limit it to his family? You can say it for the entire Jewish people. There are some that argue that. But, but it, usually the, the, the Russian Savara is, is for the family. Uh, a cherim is different. Right, right. But Savoy is... Uh, so is we're going to see that Chaim Sanjer was also unsure, maybe it's only for the family. The Tzemach Tzedek said it's only for the family. All of them? No, some of the things. Some of the things about the marriages. On the other hand, listen. The Rebbe Barash married his niece. Passed away right away. I mean, we're, who are we to judge? But uh, this is scary stuff. So it, apparently the Noid Yehuda must have felt if Rabbi Yehuda Chassid sees that it's no good for the entire Jewish people, why would the Gemara quote stories of people doing it as if to give off the message it's a good thing when the entire Jewish people are going to be put into danger later on because of it? So, so the Noid Yehuda would say that even if Rabbi Chassid just saw the future that it was unadvisable for anyone, that still kind of contradicts the Gemara. Because the Gemara is breaking the stories, telling, giving you the impression, follow this, it's a good thing. And Yudha Chassid is saying, no! So therefore, Nebuda feels, it must be the Noid Yudha felt 
that uh, Rabbi Yehuda Chassid may have been talking to his family, and that's it. Wasn't okay. Rabbi Marash's wife, that, that, that is the niece, sick anyways beforehand? She wasn't well. As far as I know, got sick by the Sheva Brachas. Was from? Was from by the Sheva Brachas. Sheva Brachas. That, that close. Yeah. No, the Reb Marash afterwards was very, very down. That someone said made a special chavrusa with him. The Reb Marash got remarried, and a few years later, he lost a son. And he Did was. Someone said they make that shidduch, though the first one. The assume was between Reb Marash and one of his brothers. When the Reb Marash lost his son, he was now he was mamish sabrochen. You know, one curse after the other. He went to his father and he asked his father, I think the reason why my son died was for ABC. We don't know what it was. The Tzemach Sedek said, no, 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 no. Your son had the Neshama of the Altar Rebbe. It was a Gilgal of the Altar Rebbe. The Altar Rebbe had to come back just for a couple of years. And then, anyhow, go figure. Al-Kopon, the Noi de Yehuda then, and let's just say, he goes on to an Arichis that he thinks even Rabbi Yehuda Achosov is only talking about birth names. But if someone had an added name later, that wouldn't be an issue, <coughs> and etc., etc. At the end of the letter, he says his famous uh, um, sarcastic uh, quip, and that is that people are so careful when it comes to Shaduchim. Oi, what's her name? What's his name? What's my name? The Mechutin's name. Who the Bacher is, what his character is, that doesn't bother. It's the name. The Gemara in Psachim says if someone marries off his daughter to an Amoritz, it's like placing her in front of a lion. I mean, the guy is going to tear her apart. That doesn't seem to bother people, no, it's a clear Gemara. What does bother people is the guy's name. Oh, the name, the name, the name, the name. Anyhow, so that's his, uh, that's his take. So, okay, let's just, okay. okay I want to do this quick. We're going to see something fascinating. Um... Okay, look at number five. Number five is Reb Chaim Tzanza, the Divrei Chaim, wrote a letter. It's a famous letter where he is upset about the Noidib Yehuda's sharp terminology against Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid. The Noidib writes a few times that, you know, if Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid was talking to all the Yidin, it would be usher to listen to him and he would be soicer, the Gemara. The Divrei Chaim says, we're talking about a man. Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid was the greatest man of his generation. Not just in Kabbalah, in Nigla, everything we have, the Tur, which is where basic halacha comes from, he learned from his father, the Rosh. The Rosh learned from the Maram of Rottenberg. He was a student of the Arzurua. The Arzurua got it from Yehuda HaChassid. I mean, this guy, he is, he is the chain of halacha. He is the chain of Kabbalah. How could you even say such a thing that would be usher to hear a word the man says? How could you talk like that? He, Reb Chaim Sanzer, was hurt on behalf of the Dignity Yehuda Chassid. And Chaim Santa writes like this. Whether the, the Rabbi Yehuda Chassid is talking about only to his kids or to everyone remains to be debated. But what if he does say something which is against the Gemara? So the Neu Buddha said, it must be he's talking about his family. Says Chaim Santa, Lavdavka. It could be he's talking to Cloud Yisrael. Ah, it's negative the Gemara. He says you have to understand something. And he brings his famous argument from Yibum. And we're going to some other Achrein and bring this as well. When it comes to Yibum, Reuven and Shimon are brothers. Reuven's married to Leah. Reuven passes away without kids. Shimon is a mitzvah to marry Leah. Ordinarily, 
marrying a sister-in-law contains chorus. The mitzvah of Yibam overrides. Right. But if, should the mitzvah of Yibam not be at play, for example, there were a few brothers and one already did chalitza to her, or you did chalitza to her now and you want to remarry her, yes, or your brother had a boy or this or that, it's done chorus. You have a choice to do Yibam or chalitza. The mitzvah of Yibam has priority. It's plan A. Chalitza is plan B. But came Abba Shol 2,000 years ago and says, if someone marries his sister-in-law for the sake of the mitzvah, that's one thing. But if he marries her for the sake of lust and not for the sake of the mitzvah, he doesn't get credit for the mitzvah. It's as if he's marrying his sister-in-law without the mitzvah of Yibam at play. It's almost like it carries chorus and the kid could be a mamzer. That's Abba Shol's comment. Now the Gemara in Yavomis has a whole sugi about this. And there's a major debate how we paskin. The Ashkenazi Rishonim all said, don't do Yibum anymore. Ashkenazim haven't done Yibum since that sugya. Since that sugya came out, since, it, uh, since uh, 450, uh, the common era, when that Gemara came out, that's it, Yibum was out. The Sephardim have always done it. The Ur Chaim, 300 years ago, was married, and he married uh, his sister-in-law. He did Yibum. Because the Sephardim never accepted Rabbeinu Gershom's rule of polygamy, of marrying more than one wife. It's okay. And number two, they're still doing Yibum. Well, they were. But uh, the Ashkenazim, we, we stopped doing Yibum. Because why? Because who knows what we're thinking. So here, here's a fascinating argument. Says Reb Chaim Tzanzer, marrying your niece, there could be some danger involved for the children, for spiritual sakana. Back in the day, you're gonna hear. You want to see some? You want to see number nineteen? Because he asked a bit. <laughs> um, and I'm just kidding. You can, you can go whenever you want to go. Nobody is tied down. Everyone is free to go whenever they would like. But here's the thing. Maybe there's some physical danger. Maybe spiritual danger. But back in the day, people did it for the sake of that it was right. There was a mitzvah to marry your niece. So it was a good thing. Shomer mitzvah. The pastor said, "You do a mitzvah, you won't know anything negative." Rabbi Yehuda Achosid says, we're living in dark times. People aren't focused like they once were. Now, it's like the guy doing Yibum without the plant, without having the intent for the mitzvah. The mitzvah won't protect you, and all you're left with is the Avera. So over here, all you're left with is the danger. All you're left with is the danger. There's a, a frightening Yerushalmi, number 19. Rabbi Yoisi ben Chalafto Yibam es Eishes Achiv. Rabbi Yoisi ben Chalafto did Yibam for his brother's wife. Chomesh Charishes Chorash v'Chomesh Netias Nata. Five times he plowed. Five times he was with her, and uh, five times something was planted. The Derech Sodin Bol through a sheet. This is the source for the for the sheet. Oh really? Yeah, yeah it's Yerushalmi. <laughs> It's funny that the fry you didn't all pick up on this, they all know it. And then, you know, the answer the frumer you didn't give? No, the answer the frumer you didn't give is that back in the day before there was a, you had a drying machines, laundry was hung, tal- a talus cotton was hung, right? Talus cotton looks like a sheet with a hole in the middle. <laughs> they said, you saw my talus cotton hung in the backyard and you came up with some uh, fantasy. It's actually a Rishalmi. And it says, Derech Sodenbol, he used a sheet between him and his sister-in-law. And you know who his five sons are? Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Lezer, the son of Rabbi Yaisi, Menachem, Rabbi Chalafta, and Rabbi Avdimus. He went through a sheet. Now, 
The Ramak, Rav Moshe Cordovera, writes, there are those who bring up the idea of doing it through a sheet. He says, Chas v'sholem. He says, Chas v'sholem. How could... There are three things a husband owns his, owes his wife. She'er, ksus, and aina. She'er is food. According to one tana, she'er means closeness of skin. According to some tana, there's a biblical obligation for closeness of skin. You can't have, you can't have something in between. And the Ramak writes, if someone has something in between, it's like a, it's it, yeah, it's, it's mamish. It's a, it's a it's a chatzitza between the shechin and this and that. So what was Rabbi what was Rabbi Yossi doing over here? If I pick a bullet, it's, it's so negative. What was Rabbi Yossi doing? The source of the of the sheet. It was a case of yibum. Rabbi Yossi held like Abba Shol. I don't want to see her. If I see and I'm attracted to her. I don't have in mind the mitzvah. She's my sister-in-law. And look then what he got. He got that. good stuff out of it. What? That's the first time or all the time? He ate right. five times, yeah. and each time. But he got good but stuff out of it. It worked. She, she it worked Every time days. she was pregnant, so that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, it she, worked uh, for him. All five yeah, five, exactly. How do you isn't have there, a healthy isn't marriage? Isn't there something about wearing tzitzis? Exactly. Wearing tzitzis, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. It's, um... It's the same as a condom. <laughs> 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 I know, I'm, I'm not saying it's a joke. I'm just saying it's a... Anyhow, but the is people... The problem is when the when the fry people find this Yerushalmi, they say, no, 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 there is a source. How are the fry yeah. people finding this Yerushalmi? <laughs> <laughs> Safari and any of these the things. Pro- no, no, but you have to realize this. The, it was only by a case of Yibum. And you have to know the background of Yibum. He was worried if he sees her, the moment his mind will focus on her beauty instead of uh, instead of the mitzvah. It's a sister-in-law, Karasi. This was one. So, uh, so go back to number fifteen. There, there, there is a kabbalistic chumrah, but I don't know if they all agree to it about wearing tzitzis. I don't know. There's a fit even in with this question. Listen, the, the Gemara says Rabbi Eliezer, when he was with his wife, he was mostly dressed. He would only un- uncover the bare necessity. So how does that go with the fact that there needs to be cure of Basar? Okay, so that, that, there's, a, there's a lot to discuss about it. Because one Gemara says that the Persians used to do it in clothes, and Chas Shalom to go like the Persians needs to be um, no barrier in between. When there's a barrier down here between a husband and wife, there's a barrier in heaven and all these things. So uh, the 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 tzitzis is uh, I don't know. You have to ask your personal mashpia if wearing the tzitzis is the right thing or not. But I'll compare him in number fifteen. He says be'emes. This is from Reb Chaim Tzanzer. Ain lahakshes. You can't ask from the Gemara Rabbi Yehuda Hachasid. Haloya duolanu. Don't we know? Bekamoyse. Similar to this, we say. Mitchila in the beginning, mitzvah yibum was preferred to chalitza. The achakach, but then shero they saw ein ador mechavanim that people are sorry they're not mechavanim for the mitzvah. They said, you know what, chalitza is better. So kamoike and yochalitza could be shero bekamoyse elu hazivugim. All of these unions that that was once okay. Im hoyachitun l'shem shemaim like in the early days. Nothing will harm you. The Chachmet Hamad weren't careful. Your father-in-law and you having the same name, 
But if you're marrying the woman for proper reasons and it's the, you feel that it's the Abishtas, that she is the one fit for your Nisham and you have all the, you're untouchable. The other rabbits, the mitzvah to marry your niece as well. Rabbi Yehuda Chosid Sor, we're a thousand years later. And when people get married, it's not the Shem Shemayim. So now the protection's off. All you're left with is dangerous, just like the Yibam and Chalitza case. And if he goidul chachmasa, he was able to realize what could be the outcome of these zivugim, and therefore he forbade it. This is the famous argument of Chaim Sanser. Yeah. So if you look at number 16, the Shem Arya said the same thing. The Shem Arya, Rabbi Arya Leibish Balchover, was a Balchover, Bulchover, a Rav in Russia 150 years ago. He, was, he wrote big stuff. He writes a similar thing. He says, look at Rabbi Yehuda Chassid himself when he writes in the Sefer Chassidim. Rabbi Yehuda Chassid says, in number 16, line number 2, Roiv Bonim, most sons are similar to the mother's brother. Therefore, if you marry your niece, it's a chassid, right? Like we saw from Rabbeinu Tam made that same connection. You should marry your sister's daughter because she's similar to you because you're her mother's brother. That's what Rabbeinu Tam said, so it's a good... Michal also, then her kids will be similar to you too. Because her kids, are, your niece's kids will be right. similar to her brothers. Right. And her brothers are similar to you. <laughs> Anyhow, but Rabbi Yehuda Chosid writes in the Sefer Chsidim that, But if someone's a Rosh, he's mechavim for his benefit, that, uh, that he has a Shayna niece, a Plumenis, a Shayna Plumenis, he wants to marry. He doesn't marry her for the mitzvah, it's not good. So says the shame Arya, Harav zal cholakein lehedye. You're, you're just looking at Rabbi Yehuda Chassid's tzavoyis. There's no explanations there. In the Sefer Chassidim, <coughs> some of these tzavoyis have more elaboration. Most of them don't, but some of them. And here it does. The rabbi said clearly, if he's marrying her for pleasure, there's no more mitzvah. Right? He's not doing it. You shouldn't do it. Because if you do it for benefit, right, there could be some sakana. There could be some danger. The Gemara is talking about you do the Shem Shemayim, there's no danger. He gives the exact same answer as Reb Chaim Sanzer. So these two great, Chaim Sanzer was a, um, was, a, was a big, huge scholar. When? He, the times of the Tzemach Sedek, he passed away 10 years later, 1876, Reb Chaim Sanzer. He was incredible, he was a Chiddush an incredible God. No, 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 he was later. He had a big issue with his foot. Maybe he used to dive and he would stamp his foot. So the doctor said, Rabbi, you want to stamp your foot as one thing, but you have to alternate. If you <laughs> alternate, so he says, Doctor, if I could alternate, I wouldn't do it all together. <laughs> Who, how did he get become a Hasidic? What was his line? No, 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 it's later. Um, I'm saying, but they're from that line, obviously, right? No, 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 no. It's not a student of a student of a no, student. No, student, yeah, yeah. Who was he? Well, maybe it was by the option, sir. I actually don't know offhand who his rebel was. You check it up later. Anyhow, Reb Chaim Tzanz, oh, so uh, Reb Yankiv, uh, Reb Yankiv, Reb Avadya Yosef has a well-known letter where he says his whole opinion on Reb Yehuda HaChosid. And he's with the Neidah Behuda all the way. 
he believes Yehuda Chosu's things are not incumbent upon anyone. If you happen to know your Nainukul is one thing, otherwise, he, Avad Yosef hold is not halachically binding. The Chidah in a letter shakes from Yehuda Chosu's warnings. Avad Yosef says it's not halachically binding, nobody's halachically bound to follow it. And uh, he writes in number 18, I have, a, I have a piece from his letter over here, where he, uh, he says, the Yibam and Chalitz analogy from the Chaim Tzand and the Shem Arya is no good. Listen, we once saw the Avnei Nezer by the machine Matzah debate. There was Sholem Mordechai Shvadron, the Marsham of Brajan, Big Rav. And the Avnei Nezer says, this guy might be a big rabbi, he's nothing compared to the Divrei Chaim, who forbade machine Matzah. So the Avnei Nezer said the Maharsham is nothing in learning compared to the Divrei Chaim. I'm sure he would have said <laughs> Avadi Yosef definitely would But Avadi Yosef feels that the, the comparison is no good. Now, the question he's going to ask is like, he's just, he's, uh, he's going to point out a very obvious distinction, which everyone's aware of. I mean, Chaim Santa wasn't saying they're identical halachas. He was bringing out an idea. But Avadi Yosef, let's see what he writes. Let's see in number 18. He argues like this. Mashakosav adivrei chaim ladama is dovrezet to yibam v'chalitza. Loidam nikhal, it's not the same at all. The shiny hasam. By yibam and chalitza, if the mitzvah's off, you're pegei, you're meeting up, you're touching your brother's wife without a mitzvah. And there's going to be chorus. Who says, Since you're not having in mind for the mitzvah, it could be the Vlad's Amamzer, it's chorus. In all these Rabbi Huda HaChosid, there's no chashash erva, there's no adultery or any incest happening. It's just the son in law, the father in law, the same name, this and that. So who cares that you don't have in mind the shame mitzvah? I don't know, to me, their argument, listen, the, just like the I would say Avadi Yosef is here and Tchtivri Chaim is over there. I would also say Avadi Yosef is here and I'm down here. But, who? but, but, but I would say that the, I don't understand his argument. <laughs> Chaim Sancho never said that in the case of Chos, if you don't have the right intentions, it's chorus. It's sakon. Yeah. The, it's a danger. It's danger. That, that, that's the you whole idea. The comparison is just like by the Yibum and Chalitza, uh, by the Yibum and the, the chorus. The moment you don't have the mitzvah, you're left with the avera. So too by all of these sakona unions. When you have a mitzvah, you're protected. No mitzvah, you're left with sakona. No one's saying you're left with chorus. I mean, yeah. I don't you're understand why that's a serious question. No, no, listen, no, no, I'm, okay. <laughs> no, but I'm doing to him what he did to the Divrechaim. In other words, I, who am I to ask on him? But who's in it? This is Darkish Shultaira. You have to ask, you have to ask. In other words, anyhow, the Gamba Gemara Yavamas, Sama, by the way. Doesn't it say in the Pasuk for Hakim That's the point. So who cares what you think about it? We're not, you don't judge the person based on his. Okay, that's a Shal B'chal and Abashol. That's a Chal. Okay, Mitzvahs need Kavon. If you don't have Kavona to do the Mitzvah, there is no Mitzvah. Now, they hear, hold on, but he continues. If you look in the Gemara in Yavamas, it says it's a Mitzvah to marry your niece. It doesn't say that you should do it for the sake of the mitzvah. That's his second question. Oh, I, I don't see that as a question at all. The Gemara is saying it's a mitzvah to marry your niece. The Gemara doesn't say you have to do it for the sake of the mitzvah. The Gemara doesn't have to say that. That could be, uh, 
something that needs that needs to come through intuition. No, 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 no. Because Chaim Santos' whole argument was like the other person that marrying your niece Taka carries a sakana. Chaim Santos wanted to say like this: the danger Behuda Chosid saw was always present since day one. If you have it for the right reasons, exactly, it it, it trumps. But then the Gemara should have said, "Marry your sister, but make sure you do it for that." For ah, the but 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 it's clear. The Gemara is clear. You're dealing with people who are so much better in those but the, days. The Gemara doesn't even use the word mitzvah. The Rambam says the Gemara says it's a beautiful thing. It doesn't need to. They're they're assuming. But the Gemara the Gemara says as long as you marry your niece, it doesn't say Hanoi says basachoisai l'shem shemayim. The Gemara often throws in the words l'shem shemayim. I guess Avad Yosef is bothered. Why didn't the Gemara add the words if you marry your niece l'shem shemayim? It doesn't say those words. It's mashma as long as you do the deed. The truth is, though, his third question here actually uh, hits me the most. He's wait a second, wait a second. According to Chaim Sanjo, let's think for a second. Two siblings marrying siblings or the names being the same was always a danger. But the times of the Gemara, they had the right things in mind. No, but Abishol was in the times of the Gemara, and he said, don't do Yibum. Because people already were having, weren't doing it for the sake of the mitzvah. So then, by all of the unions as well, it should have already been a danger. It is, yeah, but no, no, no. It. Hold on. He, this child is. This child is. I think is actually on the mark. But nonetheless, the Gemara still says, "Marry your niece." According to Chaim Sanzer's whole theory, marry your niece. Marrying your niece. No, Abishol is a Tana. Marrying your niece is also a Brisa. Same time. You're going to split the generations. So he says, he, he says, maybe you're going to say that for Yibum, yeah, yeah, what for Yibum, for Yibum they were doing it for lust and for all the yeah, other, and I'll for the you, niece it's for the shame there's mitzvah. Many, there's many reasons for that. I'll tell you why. I'll tell Anyhow, you why. So that, because that, that child is a child. Yeah, what do you for, want to, say? to marry your niece, there's, <clears> it's not a straight <throat> mitzvah because you're saving your brother's thing. There's many different reasons. We all just went through them. Family, I'm getting, you know who you're getting. It's a good thing. It's similar. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah, yeah. Those are all separate things. You're not marrying them for any uh-huh. just because the Torah said so. It's a good right, thing. Right. Save your brother. You're, you're marrying the, them for good reason. And it's still reason. considered a shame And it's a shame okay. mitzvah. Okay. okay. For your brother's wife, there's no other good reason to marry them. You're just doing it. So if you're going to do it for lecherous reasons, get, right. that, that's okay, bad. Okay. So even in Abishol's time, it could have been that the people were already for that falling a little bit. But for the other ones, it's not a fall. It's you're burying your brother, two sisters and two brothers. There's no real... Also, there's all the things that are plan- at play here with, the, with, with <laughs> okay, that big possibility okay. where it's not at play with any of the other things. So Anyhow. to focus on that, I don't think the Avadios... The Pele is how come Chaim Sandra doesn't deal with... This issue is so in the face. This is such a glaring issue. Yeah, but the Chaim Sandra so dealing... It must have been obvious to him. It's obvious to him because it's obvious to Abishol that, listen, that's all, there's no other possible good from it. It's just for that, and if you're only taking it to what grab a lady... I, I and my brother are very similar. If she was good for my brother, she's good for me. In fact, yeah, that's why God gave the mitzvah of Yibam in the first place. No, it's a good it, match. It, it's a good match. It, so I'm marrying her because it's a good match. It's a good match. It's, a, it's, it's, it's not at all. It's you're yeah, saving okay. your brother's uh, no, 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 uh, no, 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 no
And there's an idea that if she was good for your brother, she's good for you. Yeah, why is no, someone? That's why no. there's chalitza. If someone does because chalitza, if she's she curses not good for you. No, if someone does yeah, chalitza, she, yeah. she curses him. You know why? Yeah. You know why? Because for her, it's not good. No, 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 I don't know that. There, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are sources that say that. And so I would ask, even if he doesn't have in mind the mitzvah of Yibum, who said he's doing it just for lust? Maybe Taka thinks she's a good shit of him. No, because that's why Abishol okay. was saying it. The people were doing it. It became a thing. Just hop another lady. It's a free lady. I don't even have to do anything. I don't even have to. I don't even have to work for it. I don't have to take her out. I don't have to be a mensch. I don't have to fake it. Nothing. I just hop a lady. So. There's no effort at all. Even if it's your niece, you still got to convince your Maybe brother that you're a decent guy to money. marry your, your, your niece or your sister to marry their niece. There's effort that's involved. This is effortless. Two so when brothers marrying two sisters. Two brothers marrying sisters. No, there's no, still there, effort. There, there's danger. What are we saying? The times of the Gemara when all those married the siblings, they did it for the sake of the mitzvah. There's no mitzvah, but they did it for right reasons. What does right reasons mean? That they felt... I guess if if my brother married her sister, yeah, I know her. Then know probably, she she's, her then probably nice she's ma- she's took a past. Yeah, her so they did it for nice they did like it for al- altruistic reasons. Yeah, but here there's no there's nothing other than by the yibum. Even if it's not for the mitzvah, why can't it be for the same altruistic reasons? If she's good for my brother, it could. It could. Me. That's what it's. So it doesn't have to no, be lost. Not that it's good for me. I'm honoring my brother. I'm doing it. That's the mitzvah. So unless the not that is, it's good for so, me. Uh, so in other words, by yibum, the moment you're not doing it for yibum. Then you don't get the mitzvah of yibum, you fall back to the chorus. Yeah. No, so even the other you, things you don't have right, that. So even there's if you're no, doing it no, because no, you think she's a good shidduch, it's not for the sake of yibum. So you don't get credit for the mitzvah. Yeah. So it's okay. Fine. Okay. Yibum is not good for me. It's not like Chaim Sanzer has been uh, vindicated. 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 There is one of the sin number seventeen. But we'll let's and then we'll finish. Um, this is again the shame Arya, who agrees, is also on board with Chaim Tzanzer. He what says in number Shem 17, Arya Leibish Bulchavar was his name. We don't know much about him. Yeah. I quoted him in number 16. Yeah. It's in the same letter. He writes in number 17, who says the two brothers shouldn't marry two sisters. Because in Gomorrah you find that they did. And we're number 17, the second line. That the neighbor says, well, if he's going against the Gemara, he must have been talking about the He's only talking about his his descendants, nobody else. And the Gemara is talking about the general rule. That was the neighbor Yehuda's yeah. uh, consensus number thirteen. In order, it shouldn't be a kaifer, God forbid, which is basically what neighbor was saying. The Gemara is talking about general. He's, he's talking about his family. Says the Shemariah, Ainu I don't see that. You could say just the opposite. That the Chassidzah is talking to every Jew. The Gemara was talking about those few people that happened to know that it's okay for them. Well, Bashas that you find they married was that that's that's the exception. They saw and they knew in those that there wouldn't be a concern. Because Bavadai Chachme Ashas saw and more knew than Yehuda Chassid. And that's what he says. I'll tell you not so fast. Rabbi Shneir Parnas was a friend of Rabbi Yehuda Achosid. His name was Shneir Parnas. Lived 800 years ago. He said a famous comment that even the Rabbeim um, repeated. If Rabbi Yehuda Achosid would have been in the times of the Amoraim, he would have been an Amoraim. If he would have been the times of the Tanoim, if he would have been the times of him, he would have been a Navi. 
I don't know that he's saying they knew more than him. Could it be that he's saying that just like your He says, Bavad the Chachmeshas knew more. The point the point of but okay, he knew more than him or the people you're behind. No, 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 no. They knew more than him. No, they knew more than him. He's not trying to, to bash you to class. He's trying, trying to make a point. The same way the Noid Behuda is fine and saying, the Gemara is talking about 95% of Judah, yeah. 99. He happened to see about his descendants to say the opposite. Yeah, you saw. He saw about everyone. And they saw. The Gemara saw. Right, about them. <clears throat> Who said this? The shame Arya. So he uh, wants to say that. Shneir Parnas. <clears throat> he was a Rishon. By the way, the Rebbe once quoted the Friedrich Rebbe. It seems like. The same idea about the Alter Rebbe, that had he been in the times it would have been, but even greater than Yehuda HaChosid, because Yehuda HaChosid, had he been in those times, he would have been that great. Had he been by the Navim, he would have been a Navi. Had he been by the... It's like Rashi Banarach. Right, right. But the fact is, he wasn't. So therefore, he didn't reach that... So the Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe is, was, he was. He that's was. why goes, it's the same as a Chomish. Yeah, yeah, the Altareba was a Tana, he was a Novi. Anyhow, the point of the Shemaria, yeah. he's not trying to bash you the Chotzeh Hasashom. The point he's making no, he's is making is Fakir. He's trying to strengthen the Tzavah. Yeah, he's saying, Bashar Anoshim, maybe like this, maybe amongst Jews here and there it's going to be dangerous, and no one's going to know when. To be Huda Chotzeh, no one should do it. He was, but if somebody's able to see, if someone's able to see that it's going to be okay, so why the times he of the Gemara? He, he says, and and uh, those people were able to see. And he brings a raya because there are some things in the Tzavor which says his children. Is a raya that the other things are for everyone. Right. I told you many disagree with that because it could be. That if makes it, sense. No, because who wrote? If it was written by the Chassid students, so the way it works like this. Whatever they remember hearing from Rabbi Yehuda that was for his kids, they wrote for his kids. Whatever they don't remember, they wrote stop. But there's I'm no raya. Trembling with the Chidah. The Chidah wants to say that the Tzavah is for everybody. For sure. How the Tzavah Siddiq, though, went with the Night of Yehuda on this. On this or on this? On this, he quoted this <coughs> because um, Tzavah Siddiq, the within his own kids, there were marriages that violated some of the things. And the Tzavah Siddiq said, the Tzavah Siddiq said, we rely on the Night of Yehuda. Nebuch, the Neb Marash's niece passes away right after the wedding. You know, this is. Can't but on the other hand, the Rebbe told people to be very careful. Yeah. In 770, they were closing. Uh, they were closing one of the entranceways. That's so the Rebbe said, make sure you leave a hole there. Yeah. The fact is, Rabbi Huda Chassid, they said not not to marry a stepsister, and I know that we're knowing that you can. One of the Alt Rebbe's greatest chassidim, Rabbi Boruch Mordechai Babreisker, he uh, was in Vilna, a genius of a guy in Vilna. I'll tell you one story about him that you love before I get to this. Okay. Baruch Mardechai was a big rov in Babraisk. And one day, two partners, business partners, came to the Alter Rebbe. And they had some big issue, business issue. So Alter Rebbe asked him, do you have some uh, um, document? Did you make a star? Um, no? What's the a contract? Business contract. So they said, sure. They brought it out. So Al-Treba looks at it, and he sees very carefully in the words that the the wording had already forewarned that if this and this would happen, the agreement would be such and such. So Al-Treba said, it's clear in the contract. They came back a few months later, another issue. Al-Treba said, bring me the contract. He reads it again, and he sees in another line, it was hinted very carefully that if that would happen, this and this would be the agreement. 
After this happened the third time, the Altrebbe asked them, who wrote this contract for you? It looks so perfect. They said, Baruch Mordechai, the Rav, Babrisk. The next time he came to the Altrebbe, the Altrebbe, this Baruch Mordechai, the Altrebbe gave him a sharp word. He said, you're using so much of your brain power in writing business contracts. And yeah, but this Baruch Mordechai, when he was younger, he grew up in Vilna. He was very close to the Vilna Gun. His mother married the, the last Avbez in the Vilna. His name was uh, Shmu, the last Avbez in the Vilna. And his mother married, he actually knew Rub Shmu. What do you mean, he remarried? Mother yeah, 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 yeah. Baruch Mardachai knew Shmuel. Baruch Mardachai was out of the city. He comes back, I think he even missed his mother's wedding, second marriage. I think Rub Shmuel respected the kid so much, he said, let me marry your mother. Anyhow. Baruch Mordechai ends up marrying his stepsister. He married the daughter of this Shmuel, of his well, no mother's... Blood relation. Not blood relation. Rabbi Huda Chassid said you can't do that. Can't. So it seems that, like that, for example, we're not noyig. So that Semach Sedek apparently said that some things, in some things we rely on the noyig Yudas take that was only for the family. In other things we say it's universal. Cutting the nails. Well, many things are brought in Shulchan Aruch, not cutting uh, nails or hair in Rosh Chodesh, not burying enemies. Like that's, that's, no, 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 that's oh, from the, that's Kabbalah, but there, they were... You're not allowed to go through a window? I don't remember ever saying that, climbing through a window. No, I don't think so. I've been to the Tzavah, I don't remember seeing that, climbing through a window. He has lots of interesting things over here. We saw a few of them. But um, if you leave a house and you tr- if you leave and you move to another city and you want to move back to the original city, you want to go back to the same house, it can't be within seven years. Like one of the things. An oven, a big one is an oven, right? Yeah. You don't move an oven in order to renovate and use that place for something else. And this was a big one. Some people laughed at it. Big Doli Apoiskim, hundreds of years ago, right? Stories of people that did this for for sure for best measures. People were dying. <laughs> to move an Story, oven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Place of an oven. So to rebuild. If, you, if you're remodeling your kitchen, what is it you can't put it in a separate place. The, what are you going to do with the first place? So the, a tree, a tree, a tree, a tree, a tree, a fruit tree, a fruit tree. The fact we don't write our name in the safer. He writes severe. You know, when you open a safer, people write Lahashem Ha'aretsumaloya. Then you write your name. If you notice, people in a safer, yeah, yeah, yeah. you'll yeah, see. Yeah, you see la- Why don't you just write this safer belongs to so and so? Says you the chassid, do not write on a safer that it's mine. What if you just write, just your, write your name without saying that it's mine? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's why he says. Never write anything. You just write your name. Yeah, a tree, a fruit long. tree. You don't cut down. Yeah, people true. are so careful. Yeah, the they, they, they would never. Yeah, yeah, they would never because that's what it said. Because. Huh? With the oven, if you're gonna redo your kitchen, oh, oven goes back in the same spot. It's a major sakana. Or you leave the place Depends empty. If it's a gas or oven, you, you don't or use it. You leave that place empty. You just you shut it off. You build, put something. Uh, just messed up. Make all empty box around. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, no, the, the, oven, the, oven, the oven is very <laughs> serious because that one I've seen many throughout history. Now I can tell so the, It's, it's actually one of the big ones. We didn't renovate. It's one of the big ones. Here's an. 
Hey, you know why? Now you know why. I'm not kidding, by the way. Okay, we'll stop the video. Stop the video.